Do you like books or movies or TV shows or songs with lyrics? You know, things that were created by writers. Of course you do. Do you like watching people type? I doubt it. Do you like hearing people tell you about how they came up with the things they type? Maybe. And there are lots of shows like that. But this isn't one of them. Do you ever procrastinate? Writers do too. So if you've ever enjoyed a great book or film or TV show or song or poem, and you thought, I'll bet the woman who wrote this epic high fantasy TV series, or the guy who wrote this funny queer sci-fi novel, or the person who writes this punch-you-in-the-gut poetry would be really fun to hang out with, and I'd like to hear them confess their bad not-writing habits. You're in the right not-writing place. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass over there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff, and Doug does his best to try to make me sound better. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is mixed bag. <laughs> Perfect, oh, that's great. Today's guest is Scott Boss. He's an author, a podcaster, a musician, healthcare worker, his sci-fi trilogy, Cosmic Arc, starts with Interstellar Islands, continues with The Night Chasers, and concludes in Return to the Belt. Uh, and I want to promise all of the viewers and listeners, neither Scott nor I will be in the least bit offended if, while you are listening to this, you hop over and order your copies during the show. That will not bother us, so feel free. Uh, so thanks for being on the show today, Scott. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, so the first, so one of the things we have to do uh, is explain to our listeners what it is we are wearing. Of course, our YouTube viewers can see that we're in these costumes, but we always go all out for this show. So tell everybody what you chose to dress up as today. Yeah, well, I was surprised when I got the request since it's a podcast, and I was like, is anybody even going to see it? And you're like, well, don't worry, we'll explain. And I was like, well, what I feel most comfortable in at this point in life is my uh, my three-piece suit you know you want to look professional but then since i started balding in my mid-20s i got a miley cyrus wig which real good after halloween you can really load up on wigs which it looks like you wouldn't hurt from one either and so we we loaded up on those and so i've got my three-piece suit my miley cyrus wig just gives me my confidence and you know you feel like you're going to a really important black tie affair but also that we're having a party in the usa at the same time yes so i'm glad the viewers get to see it i'm sorry if you're not seeing this on youtube you should probably go back and watch that one too just to yeah, get the full effect it, it is a good look i mean very very formal and also you know it's not party in the front uh uh you know a party in the back yeah. formal in the front it's like party on the top formal everywhere yes. like it's a, it's a good and so i i thought i would copy that and so i went with this i got one of these uh, mr pumpkins uh, uh suits on amazon because you yeah. know i wanted to be formal as well so and i'd seen that yeah, sketch yeah. on snl and i thought he looks classy so i made sure to get my my mr pumpkins suit here and then i went with that same wig that tom hanks wore so it's got the white bit here that folks can see yeah, yeah. uh but you know it's nice for yeah for bald guys like us now i've got this full head of of curly black hair and this this white uh bit in the front and uh you're right i do feel more confident so maybe maybe yeah. wigs are the way to go um yeah I, I feel like we can go to a party together like this if only we weren't on opposite coasts here. oh yeah yeah the way well, we're, you know, the, this is the party like we have now yeah. you know we've got the coast covered the party is here yes we 
we're, we're doing it right. So this is a show about procrastination, what we do when we're not writing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done so many shows where it's about what's your process? How do you write what you write? You know, we get those questions over and over. And I thought, well, yeah, but it's more interesting to hear about what we do when we're not writing. So this week, what in the way of like pop culture, movies, that kind of thing, what's been keeping you from your writing? So a couple things. Um, so, you know, there's always shows and there right now there's the NFL playoffs. I'm kind of a, oddly a guy who's into sports that also is very much into the arts. So I kind of land somewhere in between. But out here in Western North Carolina, we have what's called the Brevard White Squirrels. And they are not uh, albino. They're truly just white squirrels. They have a little brown streak on their back. Everybody can go out there and look it up. I'm not making this up, but that's the kind of squirrels we have in our backyard. And so we made a project with my kids and we made some of those uh, bird feeders out of uh, pine cones that, that you find in the backyard and you load them up with peanut butter and stick a bunch of bird seed to them. Well, guess who got to those first was the white squirrels. And so I was like, well, I like the white squirrels, but you know, like I got to make this harder on them because they're not just you know, birds trying to store up for the winter. These squirrels are very healthy. So I was like, let's make this a little harder. So I created, you know, those dog leash lines that you have yeah. like to lead your dog far out into the yard if you don't have a fence. Well, we had one, but we have a fence. So I'm not using it. So I tied it from the kid's play place to our porch and put the, the feeder or the, the, the pine cone all wrapped up in the middle. So they would have to like, I don't know, Mission Impossible all the way over there to get to it. And then another one from like a hanging string. So they would climb up the tree and they would grab this yarn and reel it in. And then they would grab onto it and just swing from it. And so this was a continual theme at our house for entertainment because I like them. I don't want to injure them, but I love watching how acrobatic they are when they get out there. And yeah, talk about procrastination. You could spend yes. hours doing that and then trying to catch them on film while they do it. So <laughs> that is brilliant. I'm glad you're catching it on film. So you have yeah, American Ninja Warrior for squirrels in your back. Yes. Yeah, we call it the White Squirrel Chronicles. But yes. Uh, so was not... this a thing that you came up with during like the COVID lockdowns? Or did... oh yeah, yeah, that's where it started. That was the yep. we're home all the time. What do we do now? Let's stand at the backyard and stare outside and wonder what the outside world is like. And <laughs> yeah, you're that's like, right. well, there's a lot of white squirrels out there because we, you know, we with kids especially, we're like we raised butterflies from from you know cocoon the full phase. We raised tadpoles until they turned into frogs, and we got to release them and all that. So we did all the little outdoorsy things to kind of keep active and keep your brain going instead of just binge watching everything you could find you know so we, we did it all and definitely been binge watched as well so oh, that's, that's that's so much healthier than my uh, uh you know slip into a depressive phase and take three naps a day like at least you did something cool with your kids yeah, you yeah. we tried um, around the naps and all that you know you yeah my, my son's older and so his uh his covid kind of experience was he was like, oh, wait, before I was required to go to all these events and do all these things. And now I get to play video games with my friends on the headphones. This is kind of great. And so he right. was fine. And I was I'm the you know extrovert. And I was like, I'm in hell. <laughs> this yeah. is the worst. I'm so trapped. And he was like, no, well, that, I'm with my friends every day. This is great. So, yeah, that that was kind of the, the good thing for me because I've always been an introvert and 
at the same point needed the activities to force me to go see people because I do need that, you know, but then it was like, oh, no, you've got none. So thankfully I had my family, but it was like, I just started, I did, I did not procrastinate. I wrote like five novels over those two years because it was just like every night you're like, well, we don't have soccer practice. I guess I'll get to writing again, you know, and before I knew it, I'm like all those ideas that had been stored up that I was like, one day I'm going to write that. It was like, this is that one day, buddy. If you're not going to write it now, you're going to, you know. I, I so. am so jealous. I have had these big ambitions that I was going to write three novels over the course of the, you know, I, I started them all. And right. uh, I, I made good progress on one <laughs> and uh, wrote yeah. two books of poetry during the time. It was just, I was in a totally different headspace and well, did not get thing. nearly as much. And I was, t- I've talked to a lot of writers who were like, I just can't. Like, it was so hard. <laughs> so I've, I've heard that too. That done. I definitely got stuck in, in one of them where I was just like, I don't, I don't know what it's like when people converse anymore. <laughs> you know? yes, you're like, yes. and like, you're trying to write character dialogue and you're like, God, I don't, I don't remember. How would this person reply? I don't know. Nobody talks to me anymore. There, there haven't been conversations in months. Yeah. No. And I don't know what a normal response would be. And I'm like, oh no, that's probably, I should probably get out there a little more. Well, one of my projects was a sci-fi where there was a, a, a plague on a colony ship. And so the people were trapped in their cabins. And I was like, this is too close to home. Right. <laughs> like, I can't, nobody will want to read this because this no. is exactly what we're experiencing I was like, no, nope, that's not gonna fly. That's what everybody said too. Is like, oh, you should write a novel about it. And I was like, no, no, no this no, is the last thing I want to write about right thing. now. I'm sorry. Like, oh yeah, I'm getting people away and on this colony ship and this adventure that takes place. And I was like, no, I've recreated the pandemic. Nobody wants yeah. to read this book. No, so that don't want to hear about it. Man. See the light of day. And probably not. Not not for 10, 15, 20 years until yeah. people are like the the what? And you're like, no, no, the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Informing the, the the last generation, you know, the next generation. There was this thing. Yeah. There was a pandemic. Um, here's yeah. a metaphor for it in space. Yeah. <laughs> so uh in addition to the squirrels, uh, what else have you been paying attention to in the news? Um, in the news. So there was uh, like I said, I'm a little bit of a sports fan, and so there was the uh, DeMar Hamlin story, the Buffalo Bills player. And that one, uh, it hit me. It's, I'm, I'm, if you hadn't heard the story, it was a guy that got hit hit on the field, nothing even major. And he just went down and we're all sitting there watching and we're like, okay, any minute now he's going to get up. And then they kept coming back and going, we're not up yet. His heart stopped and all this stuff. And I was like, man, did I just watch somebody die on the field? Like, that's crazy. I've never seen that. And I've watched sports all my life. And so long story short, he he's okay. Now I'm not going to say he's perfect, but he's okay. He's, he's alive and all that. And one of the cool things you saw out of it was the social media, the, you know, internet generation where you're like, wow, like the outpouring of love and support he got from people was just instant and enormous. Including and then Bengals his fans in Cincinnati. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Including the people that cared for him from the other team, you know, and all that. And all these donations went up to one of his charities and just all these millions of dollars going to his charity and you're like man that is the future that's what we've been talking about that's what you and i've probably been writing about at some point about if we all banded together this is what the future would look like and then as soon as those stories ended you hear about the one that the player involved from the other team and the hit was t higgins from cincinnati who did absolutely nothing wrong again i've watched sports my whole life he did nothing wrong he wasn't even the one hitting him and 
somebody called him out, one of, a former player and, of course, some other people on Twitter and whatever, and said, if he wouldn't have done this, then DeMar would be fine, which was totally not true. But it doesn't matter because the Internet is the Internet. It, right. As much as it ran away with the charity donations and everything else, it also ran away with the hate and the hate speech towards him and whatever you want to call it and the threats that he that he received and you got to imagine how bad t higgins already felt right and then you're like great and now these people are piling on him to the point that demar's family the guy that was injured they've reached out to t and told him hey you're not at fault we don't hold anything against you so awesome for them but also awful for them that they even had to step away from their potentially dying family member to be like hey wait no it wasn't his fault Right. wasn't this guy's fault you know and you're like we really want to get into this right now and i'm like it just showed the absolutely polarizing story of of the world as we live in that you're just like oh god the internet is so awesome and oh the internet is so awful yes <laughs> and yeah, more it, people it really is a great it. illustration of that i watched that hit it was it was a very normal football play he got yeah. up afterwards like i'm gonna celebrate i yeah. you know successfully tackled this guy everything looks fine and then just went back and it was yep. I was totally with you. I was like, and, and people have been talking for years about we're eventually going to see a death on the field, like, right. you know, on national television, because this happens even more. Apparently, I didn't know this beforehand. This happens in in, um, you know, middle school and like Pop Warner. This happens in high school. And then, you know, kids bodies are just more fragile. And so it happens right. more often. And so I'll be interested to see if, you know, years down the road, we're seeing even more parents saying, I don't want my kid playing Pop Warner football. I yeah. watched that game. That's terrifying. Yeah. Well, I'm already there and, and I've I've played football and basketball growing up, not major, but, you know, I played them both and I just always gravitated a little more towards basketball. And then like watching my kids now, I'm just like, go to basketball, go to soccer, go to something yep. else because there's just nothing in here to get hit in the head frequently that seems like a good idea you yeah. know like it just does i love i still love watching it that's probably the hypocritical part that i'm like yep i'm tuning in the playoffs this weekend i'm gonna be the watching but it's like yeah please protect them more you know helmet please. technology yeah. whatever you got to do but and they have a little bit because of course you know you get enough re you know fight back about some of the injuries we've seen but it's also just like man i don't, I don't think i would want my kids playing at this point it just seems well and it's tricky as a parent yeah. like if you have a kid who's going i really want to play this that would have been yeah. hard luckily you know my son was like uh, i want to do swimming and i want to do track and i was like awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah you're not gonna hit anybody there not, yeah. not a lot of hits not not high impact so oh good i'm so relieved you know but uh but, you know, the, I, I feel for parents where they're saying, I love football. My kid wants to play football. Let them play football. And I'm going, yeah, but also their brain is really valuable. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. As a teacher, I'm watching these kids and I'm going, oh, this kid's got his third concussion this season. Uh, no, and, you know, he's in my class and he's zoning out and it's scary. So, yeah, that's. Yeah, that was a that was a wild story. I hadn't thought about the social media angle, but you're right. It's a really good illustration of just how polarized our i think that you know that that amplification effect now we can see the wonderful things people are doing and how just how horrible people can be to one another yeah all at the same time yeah so fast um so what about outside of well you know related to uh, uh sports that kind of thing but uh what about other hobbies when you aren't writing yeah I, well i have a bunch they all end up 
like I said, mostly are creative. Uh, I did say I've, you know, played, I still try to play basketball here and there, but nothing major, but uh, I make music. I have a recording studio. So like you said, at the intro, I do some podcasting and stuff. My podcast is straight up. Like here's things that I've written that I just want to get out there and I would, I'll read them in pieces and, and things like that just to, uh, because it takes so long between books. So I'm like, all right, podcast and, and work on music in between. Cause it, it's just a different side of the creative brain, which is odd, you know, but like, it, as you know, you, you write and then you sometimes you're like, all right, that creativity is, is spent. I need to take a month or whatever. I've, I've heard people say write every day. I, I disagree. I, I think I need a break mentally to just let my creative bank refill, you know, but it's a different creative bank. It's like having a dessert stomach at Thanksgiving, you know, you stuff yourself and then the pie comes out and you're like, man, I could not eat another bite of turkey, but I could eat three slices of pie. It is just like that, where it's that creative bank. And so, uh, again, for the YouTubers, there's guitars and basses and things hanging on the wall back here. And uh, so I write uh, this pop funk band that I've been in for years. We used to tour a little bit and we're on a couple of little labels called Groove Carnival. Uh and then we're all, all my stuff is studio projects. Now I have kids in the career and things that I'm just like, I can't, can't do all of it and I can't tour still. So I'm like, I just, I much prefer the studio side of it anyway. So it's like, I do that. I write heavy metal too for the metalheads out there. That goes under the name El Caro. Um, and then I do everything in between, like kind of pop rock stuff just on my own, just because it's fun and I can play the instruments and I can record it all in my little studio here. And so it just makes... It's just nice to start a day where the song did not exist and yeah. finish the day with a new song in the world and then wake up the next day and determine if that song sucks or if it's still really good. <laughs> and you just oh, never know. I, I feel that so it. strongly as a poet. Like, uh, yeah, you know, it's the same as novelists. Our novels, my novels, I don't know about how fast you are. Mine take like two years. And so yeah. it's hard to have that feeling of, oh, I'm done. And it's yeah. really rewarding to go, I wrote a poem today and maybe I'll edit it tomorrow and it's good, but it's finished, you know? And so that, yeah, totally and you just, you wake up, up, then I can go back to the book, but I got this one thing accomplished and it's out there in the world. Yeah. And like, like I said, you wake up and it didn't exist today and now it does. And if tomorrow it ends up being good, then you're like, man, I just added something good to the world, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I can share this. And if one person reads this poem and has a good feeling from it or listens to this song and enjoys it, then it's like, well, that was worth doing rather than just, again, just binging another thing, which, and, <laughs> which I enjoy doing too. And the, the pop funk hip hop band, the metal band and the, and your own solo project stuff, is that all available on you know, can people yes. that online? They okay. can. Um, so I have it generally linked through my websites and things, which I think okay. we'll put in the show notes. But yes. um, I do most of them on Bandcamp because Bandcamp pays the artists the most if you haven't heard of them or used them. Definitely worth using. I know people love to stream. I'm starting to get there. Like most the uh, pop funk band Groove Carnival, you can find on streaming. Uh, one of my heavy metal releases is on there. I'm getting more, but that just, it costs more to get that out there and then, if you've ever looked it up, uh, Spotify and, and all the streaming services pay you less than a penny per song stream. It's so if you add up like, I'm going to pay $8 or $10 for this album because I like it and I want to support the artist, do that on Bandcamp and you're going to support the artist. Streaming them, totally fine too, but you can I can guarantee you I get a royalty check every year from them, all the streamers combined, and it'll be like 10 bucks, yep. you know, and you're just like, Hey, I could have sold one album and made that much, yep. you know, so it's, 
of course, if you stream a billion streams, which I don't, uh, you would make more, but it's still like less than a fraction of a cent per stream for yeah. most services. So that's why I gravitate towards Bandcamp because they actually support the artists the most. So. And when you get it on Bandcamp, you download it, you own the MP3, right? It's not. Yeah, stuff. you own the whole, the whole I'm thing. I'm old school. I like to own my stuff because I have purchased a, a song. I, I've, I've heard stories of, you know, some of these big services go in and say, we're going to change that one to the new edition or we're going yeah. to edit it in some way and i'm like no i yeah. i want to i want to own the version of that that the artist created that is out there you know if yeah. the artist then says hey i'm putting out a new version great i can choose to purchase that one but i want to you know and my son totally yeah. like it's so old school that you oh you know, i know part of a collection that you want to own dad that's well, <laughs> well and it's funny because it's even like mp3s you're like i'm not even talking about the vinyl man i'm right. talking, you know like right. it can be that's fine if you want to do the vinyl but it's like even for me when i was looking at new phones like the big question is how much storage is in there and they're like why exactly. and i'm like no i want to load my whole music collection yes. and they're like yes you know you can stream i'm like yeah but what if we're driving through the mountains and your song stops i'm like it doesn't it's not when you own it <laughs> yeah well and you know if i if i don't pay for spotify and i say i want to go hear this song by scott boss it says yeah. okay here's a song that's like the one from scott yeah. Boss, and i'm like did you, no. you're driving me crazy. i want to own it so that i can go and go i want that yeah <laughs> so that that totally would be there freak thing of you know of mine but uh yeah i, I want to own my music I'm and so good you. to know band camp is the way to go i've got i've got uh musician friends where they'll actually post the mp3s to their websites and say you know if you'd like to pay me a buck you know whatever and and yeah. that's more direct better for them that i pay them a dollar than that i stream it two times and they get two cents you know yeah not even yeah <laughs> um so we should uh, uh cut to our ad break and and luckily i've got doug the producer here and he'll fire that up and get that going so doug let's run that ad break and then when we come back we will continue with our interview so thank you very much doug this week's show is brought to you by Sweat Stain Armpit Spray. For those that don't want to sweat, but want to look like they did. Comes in three great scents. Musk, Old Guy in a Grocery Store, and I just ate a ton of garlic and it's coming out of my pores. From the creator of pre-ripped jeans comes Sweat Stain. Why use the time and energy to create your own pit stains when you can use Sweat Stain? Available at any Kmart's that are still open and on Wish. Oh, Doug wants me to remember to mention we have live shows coming up. So come participate in live recordings of Writers Not Writing at the Portland Fan Expo, which is February 17th to 19th. Uh, and we will also be at NorwestCon in Seattle, April 6th to 9th. There are links to the tickets in the show notes. Doug, make sure those are in there. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the guests are TBA. We'd love to have you in the live audience, bring some fun questions to ask our panels of procrastinating authors. See you in Portland or Seattle. Welcome back, everybody. So when you have, Scott, when you've been daydreaming lately, daydreaming is part of the process and also not part of the process. I think it's really important to have that time to think that is not, you know, our hands on the keyboard. Uh, but at the same time, it can be a kind of procrastination. So what have you been dreaming about? Man, all kinds of things. Uh, that's definitely where stories begin, you know, is the daydream. 
and you start putting the pieces into place and then you have to determine if you i don't know if you know the comedian mitch hedberg but he always would say i you know i when i wake up in the middle of the night and a lot of us do you'll wake up and be like oh, this idea and whatever and i start dreaming it and then i hashed it out as i'm laying here and he's like, I have to determine, you know, the notepads across the room. I have to determine if that joke is good enough to get up for it right now. <laughs> and I totally murdered the way he tells it. the jokes. Actually, funny when he tells it, but you get the idea. Oh yeah, that I've, I've been there. The Do thing. I reach over for my phone and write myself? Yes. and run the risk for me, of the light. Yeah, wake up my partner. <laughs> exactly. That's my problem. Is I've done that where I like hang over the side of the bed like that, and you're just like lowest light setting, and you're like, and then you type, and it's like. And you're like stop it stop it <laughs> but you can't voice voice it because that'd be even worse why are you talking in the middle of the night and why are you saying those horrible things and no it's a story idea i yeah. swear yes. uh, this is uh, this is a nightmare that i'm recounting me. but not to you don't worry it's going into my phone yeah the, the the government would be after me by now they probably already are with all the research you do for stories where you're like all right let's see how to break into a nuclear facility and you're like oh uh, right. I swear it was for a book that's just not released, uh, officer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Which kind of poison should my character use? <laughs> exactly, because yeah. I, you know, you're looking up all those kind of things and whatever. But uh, yeah, so that's some of the daydreaming. Uh, one that I've thought about recently, like we all think about this, our, our mega millions. I don't know if it's just here or how, however big it is. Like almost two billion at this point. And we got a friend a ticket for her birthday and she lost. Sorry. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be doing this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but we, the joke was, you know, like, she's like, well, how much do you want if we win? And I'm like, if you win $2 billion, you know, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to give, because it'll be a drop in the bucket for you. But yeah, everything right. will be covered for me. But uh, so I started thinking about, you know, like you think about when billionaires reach that status and we always think and that's the first thing you do when you think about winning is you go okay i would buy this i'd buy that i'd buy i'd make sure these friends didn't have any debt anymore or however you would do it i don't know maybe you don't have friends like that and you're like they oh, can no, totally do absolutely come to my big parties uh but you know like i've thought about all that you know you'd be set up for life you put money in so your kids would be fine forever you do all that and then in the end though you, you might, you know, okay, I would give to this charity. If I didn't have to work, I would work at the dog shelter. And if I didn't have this, I would do that. And I'd give money to this. And DeMar Hamlin's charity would have a million dollars in it or whatever. But then you look at billionaires and it's like, <laughs> it just feels well, like it's all for show. And they're just like, and I've been in like corporate meetings occasionally in past jobs where they'll be sitting there and you can just hear them being like, well, we really need two people up front. Not one person could do it by themselves. And then we could save this much on the budget. And you're just like, excuse me, that one person is going to burn out and then they're going to quit and I will just replace them. And it's just like, but you want good workers, don't you? Shouldn't you support the good, you know? And you realize like being a billionaire, the way you, some people get there is all finding ways to cut the cost and like if you if you look up or read stories about like amazon warehouses and places like that that are just yeah. awful which they told in that book nomad land if you've heard of it or seen the show too but yeah but they they talk about that but it always makes you think you know like well god i wouldn't do that i wouldn't be bezos going to space and whatever you know i would be supporting all these people and doing all these charities and whatever and then had the experience of having uh, a job where they, you know, they pay you for your travel and, you know, they set you up and make sure you're in a decent hotel and all that stuff. And so I started doing that enough 
and my standards raised a little bit. And, and, and from, from Mr. You know, stay in the, the Scottish Inn on the side of the road of wherever yes. in Indiana on the way to where you're going for the cheapest amount that just says color TV and that's their only feature. And you're like, yeah, is it cheap? You yeah. know, and then all of a sudden I'm staying in, you know, Hilton's or whatever, which are just, you know, just even the basic ones. Yep. You're just like, man, this is such a step up. And it's like breakfast and this and whatever you need. And, and you're like, okay. And so then I took my family on a trip, you know, I uh, accumulated points. And so I took them on a trip or I took my wife and I and like, we took a night somewhere in, in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And oh, we're yeah. like, cool, we're going to stay in this nice Hilton there and whatever. And so we get in and immediately I'm like, well, I didn't do this in the, and the bathroom is a little, you know, not in the greatest shape here. And I look it over here on the curtains, but I start picking it apart. And she's like, well, good God, aren't we, you know, already up on our high horse there, right. <laughs> Mr. Traveler. And then you, you jump like the far, far step from there and you're a billionaire going, yeah, but do we really need two people up front? I don't think we do. I think we could get away with not paying them, you know? And you're like, oh God, look how quickly it would be to get there just from, a few experiences in a hotel thinking just like, well, I mean, they could have cleaned that a little better. Or they could have done this right. better. Or the breakfast was so-so. And you're like, man, it wouldn't take long. Give me a billion dollars at 18 and I would be an absolute jerk at this point of life, I think. And well, But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you would. I think what I think what you're illustrating is we live in different like realities from billionaires. Yeah. Like the, the leap is so huge. When you were describing the things you would do with the money, I was sitting there and kind of doing the math in my head. And I'm going, OK, if I paid off all of the student debt of everyone in my family, if I paid off all their mortgages, if I, you know, was able to help, you know, give a million dollars to uh, to, you know, this charity, whatever. And then you do the math and you go, that would be less than 1% of what you just yeah. like that. Yeah. The, the amount is so immense that you and I, because of our standard of living, we can't even comprehend that. And so no. I read about these, I, I took my family out to New York for, uh, you know, for the, the New Year's to so see the ball drop and the whole thing. Nice. It's a lot of fun. This is the kind of thing I would not have been able to afford when I was younger, saved up for a long time. You know, we're doing this thing. We're staying, same thing, cheapest hotels we can stay in, that kind of thing. And then we're we're driving along and you know Ubering it to get into the city. And there are these towers that they've built. And one of the ones I was talking to the Uber driver and he was telling me they've got one where the the building sways so much that the people who spent you know mo many millions of dollars to yeah. buy these condos don't live there. They've chosen to have it for status. And then they're like, it makes me sick. I'm going to live on my yacht, but I own one of those places that cost. Just to say I do. Yeah. Just to say I do. It's an, a largely empty building at the top in terms of actual residence. And it that is a different reality than you and I could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have this house. And I feel like if people like you or I suddenly had, you know, two billion dollars, we would say, but I remember not having mm -hmm. that i'm not going to spend two billion dollars on a place i won't live i hope i would say i'm not going to yeah. spend you know millions of dollars on a place i refuse to live because it makes everyone <laughs> seasick every day i'd rather yeah. live on my super yacht which doesn't make people seasick because it's so big it doesn't move like right yeah so wild they live in a different world than we do well, and I heard a billionaire on some documentary once, and they were talking kind of about the economy and issues of that. And he was going, listen, I buy, I sleep on one pillow, just so you know. He's like, me having, you know, 20 billion doesn't do anything for the economy because I only can drive so many cars and wear so many pairs of pants. But if I actually put that back into my workers, then they're going to have more money yep. to 
buying a buy a good car, a new car, a new mattress or a new pillow or an extra pillow or all these things that are supposedly good for the economy but it's like when one person has it all they can only use so much even if they buy a pointless condo and a swaying tower that's still only one pointless condo and a swaying tower and it's not doing anything because they don't live in the neighborhood so they're not going down to the stores or anything you know so you're just like that's part of the point of all that but you know it's, it's well and then, uh, you know i'm going to betray my my socialism here but like i you know it was not a radical left winger, uh, President Eisenhower, who had the tax rate at what ninety percent. Uh, you know, <laughs> for people who are at the very top, like there is, right. no, because I think at that point, when people have that amount of money, they are playing a very different status game. For them, it's not about you know how am I going to use the two hundred thousand dollars I made this hour? Like they don't care yeah. at two hundred thousand dollars. At that point, it's do I have one dollar more than Bezos? Do I yeah. have one dollar more? And so they could pay taxes on everything over a billion at ninety nine percent, and they would still do all the same things that they do because they want to have the yeah. one dollar more. And the billion dollars is enough. Like that is plenty. No yeah. one needs more than a billion dollars ever. And then you're right. All that money is now productive. We would have socialized healthcare. We would have, right. you know, but we, it's, it's not those folks who are the most opposed to that idea. It's folks like us who are saying, but someday I want to have the chance to have $2 billion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and fighting yeah I want to get it. past like, that cap. Yeah, and I'm Which like, is, no, just, you know, essentially cap it. Every, you know, a billion bucks, and then the tax rate after that is 99%. And yeah. I think it would work just fine. <laughs> well, it's funny, because that is literally in my list of story ideas that I keep a, a spreadsheet of, was like, wealth cap. And I know that's not a new idea, obviously, but like, it was like, wealth cap, and then this will happen, and it's kind of like evening the playing field, and everybody has a million dollars, and then what happens from there? And let's write a story, and it just stalls out every time I think about it, because every time I'm like, well, obviously the story would turn into somebody figured out how to get more than that, and and then all of a sudden had unlimited wealth, and nobody else knew how, or you know, and I'm like, somebody would abuse it, and that would be the story, and then we'd just be right back to America. Dang it, I don't want to write that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. But I, think, I mean, I think there is a story there. It would be interesting to yeah. do. Who would be the people most opposed? And to have you know billionaires going, oh, this isn't really a hill to die on for me. Like I'm, I'm fine with it. Fine, wealth cap, whatever. As long as I can still have more than Bezos over there by a dollar, I win. And then yeah. the interesting juxtaposition of you know middle class, upper middle class strivers saying, you know, but I work really hard. I want, I, I yeah. never want you to put that cap into place. Not yeah. realizing you could work your entire life as a brain surgeon. You know, a right, and never get to the you're never going to have a billion dollars. That's an amount of money that we can't even fathom. So no, yeah. So I, I, I would love, I would love a wealth cap. That's a great, I think it's a great idea. Not a wealth cap. They can still get richer. Just yeah. tiny it increments. Just, they're, of yeah. Riches. They're not keeping yeah. much of it. Yeah. Well, and that would be good because then they could get richer and then it would all go back into our, like you said, socialized yeah. healthcare. And go all ahead, that, try and make awesome. $3 billion so that you make really after taxes one yeah. billion and three dollars and the other guy next yeah. door only makes one billion and one and you are yeah. the big winner that year but we all are the big winner that year i yeah, yeah but for it but nobody's asking me no no they haven't asked me either it's yeah. weird so uh what about what's going on in terms of your writing life outside of the writing itself not, you know, next project down the road, you know, that kind of stuff. But like, what can folks, how can folks support you now? Yeah, so um, I have my three novels that you talked about at the beginning that just finished. So that's 
pretty much it for the series. It's one of those where it's like, yes, you could write another book in that world, but the three tie it up in a nice way. So it's definitely done. So if you're the person that likes to wait until you can hear what's going to happen, you can get all three books and they're all out there um, on Amazon and all, all over the place online and you can get a paperback. And I did an audio book for the first book. Also trying to get you hooked for the people because I had friends being like, well, I don't really read, but yeah. I listen to audiobooks. And I was like, well, I'll do the first one. But I don't know about you, but doing audiobooks is not exactly fun, <laughs> especially it's when you're the producer, the producer and the editor and all of it. And, and so I did it and we'll talk to the publisher and they're like, yeah, I mean, that's a great idea if you can do it because it's expensive to yeah. pay somebody to do it. So if you can do all of that for free, we'll pay you like, you know, most of the royalties. And I'm like, cool. So we did that. We worked that deal out. But then I was like, I'm not doing the second book. It was a, it was tough. So I'm like, the first one's on Audible, which is Interstellar Islands. And then since then, yeah, what I realized and everybody, anybody who's ever tried to publish something realizes it takes a long time and it's like a year and then it's this and then you need that and then you need the artwork and then you need the final edit and then you send it back and then they send it back and then no, oh, this doesn't fit in the line. So let's try this. And so I was like, man, between that, I hate being like, oh, my third book's out. See you in a year or two, you know, so I started started that podcast with my um, stories in between because I have a bunch of shorter stories or, or novellas or novels that I, like I said, I wrote five novels during the pandemic. So I have ones before that that I was like, these are still good, but they're not my best. And I'm like, well, I could read them on a podcast because then yep. it would be fun. You get a weekly, you know, couple chapters or whatever. So Right now, I started doing short stories, so they'd be like a week or two, and you'd you'd hear the whole thing. And then I started a novel to begin the year called Lila, which is a story. I used to work in this hospital, and they had the old, like they moved the hospital down the road and kept the old one from like the 70s. And that was our billing office, and it was just every haunted house story you can yeah. imagine recording and every stairwell to be like can you hear this listen you can hear a british lady and there's nobody british that works here and all those stories and i loved you know all that and so i'm taking it all in and like man there's an absolute novel here and so um one of the jobs i had was working um clearing like system errors and so you would get this error and it's like blah 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 and the system is wrong and you'd pull it up you'd see the patient name and you try to correct it so that was the, the the spark for that story, which was this guy sees this patient name, a really specific name. Her, her name is Lila Zwarzynski. So it's a very specific, weird last name. And it pops up and he's like, man, that's weird. You know, uh, Lila and I have hung out. We went out on a few dates. It was going pretty well, except for three weeks ago, she died. And why is her name on this ER board? Why is she over there? So he spends the beginning of the book, like trying to catch her back alive in one of these rooms and ends up you know the story the rest of the story discovering the yeah trying to communicate and figure out why he's seeing her name pop up after she's died and so it was a kind of fun idea but then also from a very um i you know understanding perspective of working there and having all the inside stories of stuff it's totally fiction but it was fun to like yeah oh, and not always really creepy and this and then so i was easily easily able to use that it's not i'm not a real gory uh horror writer i'm much more on the like kind of mess with your mind a little bit and make you kind of wonder and whatever i'm not a super pop scare person if i ever did it as a movie i, I would i'm not a super fan of pop scares i'm like tell me something that makes me just dread you know yeah. like tell me something that makes me go oh man and if that's true that means this and that you know like that's what i like so that's what i try to write and 
on the horror side now my my other series that i talked about is, is sci-fi um and uh, on that end of the world it's not hard sci-fi i'm much more i think you could call it soft sci-fi i think that's the thing but it's really i i always pitch it as like i, I write sci-fi for people that like the characters and relationships more than they like lasers and aliens you know i'm like i want you to care about the character which was something i always learned uh like reading stephen king because he yeah. was a absolute do not read this guy he's disgusting and blah, blah, blah. that's all i ever heard growing up and so when i finally read him i was like wait a minute yeah. this guy's he's, actually he's a really, a good, really good storyteller yeah he's a really he good really storyteller yep. he makes you he makes characters that you care about which therefore then you worry about the clown getting them or the whatever getting them in every story. And I'm like, man, you can take that out. And it could just be the IRS coming for them. And I would still care, which is yeah. really weird, but the way he writes. And I was like, so you can translate that into any kind of writing and just be like, look, whatever your idea is cool. Make me care about the characters. And I will now care about what happens to them, no matter what the scenario is to, to a point, you know? And so that's I, I'm, so I'm in the same boat. For. My, my sci-fi is, soft sci-fi and i don't like the term soft sci-fi without a lot of preamble like i want to explain yes. it to people because it, it sounds like weak like like right. like I'm, I'm just making it all up on the spot i don't really understand anything in science and you're like no that's not what i mean yeah well and for <laughs> folks out there who don't know those terms i you know i teach a sci-fi lit class and the distinction is not the the sci-fi isn't I mean, what's hard or soft that's the, the the problem with the term it's the hard sciences versus the soft sciences. So soft sci-fi is soft science fiction. And so it's sociology, politics. It's the stuff that is more character focused because it's about how do these people interact? And then hard science fiction is, you know, the mathematics, the physics, the, uh, the you know, the, maybe the chemistry. You don't get quite as much of that in some. So it's how do, you know, how does this spaceship work rather than how do the people on this spaceship interact with one another? That's the distinction mm -hmm. between hard science fiction and soft science fiction. But we keep the hard and then we can't say sci-fi and people don't understand. They're like, oh, you wrote weak sci-fi? No, that's not, that's not what it <laughs> at all. It's people focused, I, you know? Yeah, and I, I think one of the best uh, compliments I got was from multiple people now because you get friends to like read your series because they're like well i'll give it a shot because you're my friend kind of thing and they're like and the, the compliment i always get is like I, i'm not a sci-fi fan but i really enjoyed this and i'm like cool so if there's some hard sci-fi fans out there give it a try and you can tell me that you hate it or maybe you'll still like it but i know that it generally lends more to people that just like fiction in general and they're like cool throw it in that in that scenario because i just like cool settings which was where the first book came from interstellar islands there's a song by this band Azusa that I was listening to and it's called Interstellar Islands and the lyrics don't go anywhere near what my book is about but the, just the term and it's I was like seed. That's, that was that's a cool yeah that's a cool term and I'm like what does that make me think of and it made me think of like what if we like in all in a lot of sci-fi they um uh God, what's the term when you populate a unpopular oh, yeah. you know like space colonialism like yeah colonize and um god there's another word for it where you can make it livable you make the air oh, terraforming yeah terraforming. terraforming thank you <laughs> i was like i should know this even as a soft sci-fi guy <laughs> uh, but they uh so i thought about that and i was always like they always do that and it's like we terraformed mars we terraformed jupiter all these things that you're like that's not no that would be yeah. impossible and I know it would still be impossible, but the point being, what if we terraformed the asteroid belt? You start mm -hmm. with a small one that's like the size of a parking lot. And can you get something 
atmosphere wise breathable air that can continue and and so that was my thought of like what if you went to the asteroid belt and i know in real life it's spread out a lot so you don't just see a bunch of asteroids next to each other but if they pulled them closer with technology and you had a bubble over here and this was your island for this and this is your forest island and this is where people live and then this is where you have this processing plant and you kind of all work together to have all these little interstellar islands and that, that was immediately the thought i had and i was like how would be a cool book to write yeah and so that's that's where the story came from and then it just kind of kept going into three other books which i didn't or three total books that I, I wasn't planning on but once it started going it was like oh that would be so cool if they lived out there but it would be like a utopia but as we know no yep. utopias ever work out perfectly so you know we had to go well and then but... the characters take on a life of their own how do they you know now the reader's going and i want to learn about what happens with this person who's living on this island and you know the, and the story that, takes off yeah and that was the big thing with that one that i was like well nobody's going to want to read about people that just live in this utopia you've got to take the person from outside the utopia that's introduced so they can be the reader in a sense and be like wait you do what here Wait, you, you get your food, and one of the things in this book is they get their food through nutrition. They use hagfish DNA. This is all stuff we came up with, but hagfish are a species that absorbs all their 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 uh, nutrients through their skin. And so I made that a big part of that. That's how they get their nutrients is they take these baths, and they put nutrients in the bath, and they absorb it after being injected with this hagfish. And it's all, that's the sci-fi-ish part if you want to get there. Um, and... So the point was, you know, you go from being a human on Earth that's now out there going, I'm used to eating my food. And it's like, no, no, you can take a bath and you're going to feel good. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they're like, well, how do you poop? Or like, what? You know, like all the questions yeah. that come up. But it it was nice to have a person, an outsider, be able to ask that question as yeah. your main character so people could, you know, figure out, well, how well, how would that work? And so. Well, and it makes me think that really what you wrote is. I mean, it's a, it's a sci-fi series, but I bet fantasy fans would love it too because the way fantasy often works is this is, I, I want to explore this world. You know, it's really mm-hmm. setting-based. And then portal fantasy is, and I want somebody from our world to be able to yeah. transport and go into that for the sake of the reader, exactly. it makes it easier. And then once we're into that world, I want to see how the world kind of evolves and how the characters interact, you know, moving forward. And the setting becomes less important three books in. Now it's about yeah. these people and how they're, you know, how they're interacting. But you've already tapped into that love of this new place. So uh, I'll bet fantasy fans would like it. I bet you'd also find that hard sci-fi fans almost all hard sci-fi fans are also soft sci-fi fans like yeah. it's very few who are like i just want to know how the spaceship works like right you're you're tricky well, there's like love the characters too yeah well and there's some of that where there's like um some of the you know the technology and the stuff and the stuff that i researched i don't think i went as deep in this one but um on later things that i wrote i, I have a friend a couple friends that are like into rocket science and physicists and stuff and and that not into it but like got degrees and things you know and so every time i come up with an idea i'm like okay so let's say on a nuclear fission how this would work if i did this and they're like well okay you wouldn't want to call it that but you'd call it this and this is what would make it glow and whatever and you're just like cool all right i'm gonna go with that but then i'll run it by them and be like here's how i wrote it and then they'll approve it for me and it's great to have friends like that because it's just not something i was ever great i'm the storyteller but you got to tell me uh, you know how to make it work and i just think from my side of it like you said with the portal fantasy and all that like for me it's always been about 
like like again with Stephen King, his was always about like this this awful scenario, be it a monster, be it a whatever, and that's what the story is about. But really, it's about all these characters that we care about, all their backstory. And so that was my thing as kind of settings and not every book is completely focused on that, but a lot of them are. And it's, it's just like, I find the setting and go, God, that'd be really cool if we had a city out in the middle of the ocean and it was its own kind of colony that lived out there because the water levels rose on earth, but then what would happen with the people out there? And so that was one of the ones I wrote during the pandemic of just like, okay, but let's imagine what would happen there and what would go right and what would go wrong. But mainly it's that we care about all the people out there. So it doesn't matter that it's a city there. It could be new somewhere in New Jersey or it could be out in the middle of the ocean. Right. But either way, we care about these people. And it's what it all comes back to in the end, you know. So would you say your, you know, your your prospective reader who's going, oh, this sounds really cool. Would they be better off to listen to your podcast first? Uh, any pieces that relate to the, the the trilogy or start with the trilogy, then go to the podcast? Yeah, I would start with the trilogy. Um, so I wrote the the first book and it came out in 2020. The second book came out in 2021 and I started the podcast in 2022. And one of the first episodes I did is a recap of book one and two. So especially for the people that read it a year ago and are going, I want that third book, but I don't remember what happens. I don't have time to read or whatever, you know, and I'm just like, hey, I got you. Come here. I'll give you a recap of the first two books. So don't listen to that one. You can listen to any other one, but don't listen okay. to that one if you haven't read them because it's going to spoil everything for you. Good to know. So, Good to know. So and yeah, I definitely read the first. Read the first two, or listen to the the audible audio book of the first one, and then read the second one. And it's you know it's on all the ebook or paperback uh, formats you can want, so you can get it either way. Good, because I pretend that I'm saying readers in general, but really I'm saying me. Like I want, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's... yeah, well, don't spoil it. But if you want to listen to the podcast, I'm on part two of Lila right now, or there's the other ones, the other short stories. There's some are humorous, some are horror, some are. I did an October horror month on the podcast, so that's all just new stuff that you can hear and whatever. So well, I'm going to start yeah. with the trilogy because that sounds right up my alley. Like I like oh, cool. that kind yeah. of. Uh, you know, the, the, the world focused and people focused, you know, the, this kind of space, uh, how would this work in this, in this particular setting? Yeah, yeah. That sounds really good. Cool. Um, so the next thing we do is we have a weekly poll every week, uh, that we put out there for our listeners, for our viewers. And last week's, uh, Mar, our guest, Maren Anderson writes retellings of Shakespearean plays for kids for a local children's theater. And so she asked if she should adapt comedy of errors or Macbeth. And when the poll first went up, it was like all Macbeth. And I thought, Oh, this is my fault. I've totally biased it. Cause I talked on the show about how I yeah. thought it would be hilarious to see a bunch of, you know, eight year olds going, I was from my mother's womb untimely, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, yeah. it, but it ended up being 50 50. So that's not at all helpful tomorrow. And so I apologize. No. The, 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 you know, the fans are split on whether you should do comedy of errors or Macbeth next, but uh, that's, that's our, that was our poll for this last week. So what should our poll be for this next week? All right. So, so mine has come up lately talking about redesigning the bathrooms at home when we, you know, maybe after tax return season and all that. And one of the things you think about, especially during the pandemic was toilet paper. Right. Yep. Um, so I thought about what about a bidet and it's becoming more popular to attach a bidet to your toilet. And it's simple. It's not like, you know, yeah. in movies and stuff growing up, it was always like a separate one and only in the fanciest hotel. Now it's like, no, anybody and their brother can order one off of Amazon and hook it up to their toilet. 
And especially with kids, they waste a ton of toilet paper and being an adult, it's like, well, that would be nice. Um, so the question, uh, you've got four answers here. So you pay attention. Um, so how do you feel? How do you feel about bidets is really the question. So answer number one would be, I love blasting my butt clean with water because <laughs> some people already have them and they're like, dude, I'll never go back. Yep. They swear. Uh, that's, okay. I, I hear that a lot. So then I, number two is I might try it in the right situation, which is me. Like I said, re, redoing the bathroom is probably going to try it. Um, number three is never TP for life. You like toilet paper, you like whatever, or you just don't want to change your ways, whatever it is. And number four is when in Japan. And I know that doesn't sound like an answer, but if you've ever been there, I've not, but I have friends that have been there. They all use them and they have all kinds of settings on them yeah. to the point that you have to figure out how to program them before you dare to use it from whatever. Well, number four is my bidet experience, uh, It's but not in Japan. I've never been to Japan yet, but in Europe, you know, yeah, in Europe. Really. and I was like, I guess I'm here. I might as well see what's up <laughs> with this. You know, in Egypt, that was the way to, you know, you'd, you'd have toilet paper after you use the bidet, just a tiny bit, you know, just to dry yeah, yeah. But, just to dry uh, off yeah you don't you don't need the toilet paper for the cleaning that's done uh and so yes that's the the the, the yeah I, I would certainly be a number four. Oh, see i'm doing it again i'm betraying what my choice would be so that will be up on uh, the Twitter and facebook yeah. and folks can can weigh in on that uh this week and then we'll come back to it next week and see how many people want their butts blasted mm -hmm. uh, which sounds like <laughs> a very different show but you know youtube is gonna block us now good yeah job. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so they're gonna be like mm, yeah we'll, we'll get some kind of content warning for the the butt blasting yeah. uh, so uh so what about contacts where can folks find your stuff so yeah so that's all over so depending if you um like music and things too um my website is kind of a hub so it's scottboss.weebly.com I think we're going to put the links in the show yep, notes, the right? So show you, don't notes have to write, sure. you don't have to write that down um I have on Facebook it's Scott Boss author at Twitter it's uh, at scott f boss f scott f boss and then um if you follow my podcast it's called story time with scott boss so the easiest way just pick you know if you use apple or spotify or if you use stitcher or google i put them on there too most people don't listen to those apparently <laughs> from the from the stats i've gotten yeah. um, people mainly use apple and sometimes use spotify is what i've learned but if you use those look for story time with scott boss and save it you know just make it mark it so it tells you when i put up a new episode i've done them kind of sporadically for the first few months but this like i said i'm doing a novel right now so it's every thursday i'm releasing another part and each of them are like 25 minutes or so so it's like a chapter or two or depending how long the chapters are so it's just a good like weekly update and so right yeah. now we're up to part two and so if you're somebody that wants to binge a couple you can do two in a row or if you want to wait another week there'll be three options but it's going to go all the way through march with that so you can kind of join in whenever you like and just listen and on there i always do an update of uh what i'm eating i don't know why i just started doing that and talking about what i'm randomly eating so you'll hear random things i've either cooked or just snacks i found at the store and i talk about those on the podcast i ramble a little bit then we get to the story and then sometimes I, I use all my own music in it as well. So I, um, the intro music, the interludes and endings. And then occasionally if the story's kind of short, I'll throw in a full song at the end just for a fun little, like, I really like this song of mine uh, and it's kind of chill and fits the moment. So I'm going to throw this on the end. So it's just a, 
good mixed bag of, of all kinds of creations and things and just a way to get other stuff out there. So my podcast is a thing that is more consistent. I do update the Facebook, but you know, those are just posts. Yeah. So sometimes it's nice to have some actual content if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on. Uh, I want to thank some folks. Uh, thanks to the artist, Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro. I prefer the dusk. Let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland. Uh, thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. Thanks to Doug for putting that together. Thank you, Doug, always for all you do for this show. Uh, I cannot forget to mention that Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com and check out the amazing books written by writers who don't procrastinate too much. If you like the show, rate and review it. Please go check out Scott's books, rate and review those too hitting that fifth star and letting him know you like it will absolutely make his day. So it's a, it's a quick, easy thing to do after you have uh, enjoyed Scott's work. Uh, and I talk way too much on the show. So I want to make sure you have the last word. What should our send off be today? All right. I think the, the message the world needs right now is to be a good human, be kind to each other, regardless of your race, your religion, your gender, sexuality, or your taste in books, because Reading is important, even if you're reading something that I would never read and would throw it out if it was in my house. It's still better to read. So <laughs> regardless. If I take my time.